When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Day podcast. We are back by popular demand. And by that, I mean one person on Twitter asked if we were going to do a podcast. <laughs> Hi, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, never yeah, that, that counts to me as being back by popular demand. Um, we're going to talk about the, the takeover and the current situation. Um, not that there's much of a current situation. I'll apologise straight away for any background noise. It's not going to be... Lawn mowers and stuff, obviously, it's not that type of year. But I normally sit and see, and, and, and that wasn't my kid. That was what, just, just put that out there straight away. Because everybody all, knows I've got millions I mean, he's of got kids, loads, but that was somebody so. else's kid. Um, you, might, you, <laughs> you might hear from one of my kids, because I normally go to the conservatory, but it's absolutely freezing in there and you've got no chance. Um, so I'm in the kitchen, and I've told them to stay out, but they are children. So who knows what's going to happen. We're tier your four at the end of the day, aren't we? So we're all on top of each other. Well, well, well. Does anybody want to um, provide some historical context in case somebody's listening back to this in twenty or thirty years to just on, l- l- let everyone know but where we are as a society and as a Sunderland fan? Basically, the world's fucked <laughs> <laughs> for a bit, <laughs> just for until a bit, March. Yeah. Yeah, when I say somebody might be listening in 20, 30 years, I mean aliens who have come down <laughs> to pick off the last of the resources. Can you imagine how human sad you'd be if you like went back 20, 30 years to listen to this? I don't think it's going to be time capsule, is it? Hey, you never know. Depends. Depends how good our new new owner turns out to be. You'll be. You never know. In well, that time, put us like... all in time capsules. We should mention the... Filtering through everything. Think about should... it, when we've, when we've won 10 Champions Leagues in a row, I might <laughs> go back and have a have a look at how it all began. Yeah. Don't know There'll be is, something so. else then. <laughs> well, if anybody is, is listening in 20, 30 years, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to think that the, the introduction's a mess because like, no, nobody's been introduced. There's not been a proper introduction. This is just the way podcasts were done then, really. It was just a bit of a free-for-all. Pretty I don't much. know how polished they are in the future. Although Basically, we were really polished, weren't we? What happens Back in the Sun FM, into the light days, yeah. we were really polished then. You have What will happen is you have a microchip in your head, right? And influencers will have microchips, and if you want their thoughts on things, you like connect to their microchip and you can subscribe and then... You'll be able to like absorb all of their thoughts in every situation in, into your microchip. That's my prediction. Wow. 
Stephen's really upset about that. <laughs> or, or, or a child has entered the room. He's left. <laughs> Stephen's walked out. I was just about wishing Stephen you know, um, a happy birthday for the morning. Because well, because I've just literally said to him five minutes ago. Can you please try and stay out? And then it, that was five five minutes in. Five minutes yeah, in. I think a conga was a little bit elaborate of them, you know, in terms of breaking it. But you know, fair play to them for for trolling you. Wow. Yeah, I was just wishing you a happy birthday, Stephen, for the first of January. Stephen's birthday, easy, yes. to, easy to remember. Um, but he's forty years old. Would you believe it? Mm. What a you know, shocking! You're still sort of eighteen in your head, aren't you? Like everybody is, I think. Born a month after John Lennon died. There's nothing in your head, Stephen. That would, you know, let's be brutally honest, on top or inside. Um, but you know, happy mm. birthday! Thanks very much. And what a great year to, turn, to have a landmark birthday. I'll be celebrating it by doing nothing. Right, anyway. <laughs> so, shall I introduce people who... Shall I yeah. introduce who's well, Richard's on? here, he might... looks like he's losing the will to live again. So. I hope there's no first-time listener here, because they'll just not have, a, they'll not have a clue what's going on. Who are all these voices? No introduction. Um, so, joining myself, Stephen Gorsworth, is Gareth Barker, as always. Chris Weatherspoon. Richard Easterbrook, because I'm not sure if you've said anything yet, Richard. Although the rest of us bit. have spoken, so... Have you? It's fine. Okay. <laughs> he looks really, really furious. <laughs> we were supposed to start this 40 minutes ago, and Richard, I think, was in his head where we'd all be done and wrapped up by now. Yeah, That's that... dragged on. A bit like the takeover. Dragged yes. on and on and on. That's a segue. How was that for a segue? Seamless. Brilliant. Seamless. Changed halfway through as well, like Richard. I mean, he whipped <laughs> his top off and... <laughs> Um, put a different T-shirt on in this conversation, so that's quite similar. Do <laughs> <laughs> so we go straight into the takeover stuff? And before we talk, there's not much football to talk yeah. about because COVID's cancelled everything again. Uh, well, at, at League One level, anyway. But um, we'll get we'll get mucked into the takeover. That's what people want to hear about, isn't it? Um, right. So positive, firstly, because we 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 need to just be you know be clear that we are really happy about this. Not re- you know. It would be better if certain people weren't still around, which we'll get on now. But generally, as long as this new guy has a percentage that indicates he's in charge, he calls the shots, that's all we wanted. And that wasn't always the case, let's be honest, was it? Chris. Yeah. Everyone's, I mean, I was gonna say, the you floor know I mean? is very much yours. I mean, if well, there's no, ever see, been a floor that... Is for Steve, anybody. It's this. Stephen always makes a point of never queuing anyone. Rolling up, out I of the verbal tell. red carpet. <laughs> yeah. <It> was, <laughs> um, no. Yes. Correct, Stephen. Um, yeah. No. I think um, compared to, I think we were all a little, not not all fans, but I think like as our our little group, we were a bit underwhelmed when the news kind of broke in the middle of November. Um, I was going to say the initial the initial news, not yeah. The, not this, sorry, yeah. yes. So yeah, yeah. In the, in the initial news, we were a little bit underwhelmed, um, primarily because it 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 kind of stunk of like this guy coming in, kind of propping the current lot up, and um, I mean they they tried to put it up as like a a consortium of him and Satori, and I think quite a lot of people immediately saw through that and thought, well, hang on, actually it just means the current three you're gonna retained something like 60 I think it was 62% it was going to be the club so so yeah when the news came out on um, on Christmas Eve I think it's a big positive I think look it's like you say it would be nice if um, a certain trio were gone for good but I don't think that's the way the world the, the world works um, and yeah I mean he's going to have a majority it 
I think it was interesting the 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 statement that they put out. It was um, it was it was pretty amicable, and I think some people might have looked at that and thought, "Oh well, hang on, what is is this a change?" And I think what we need to remember is really until the deal is officially kind of done until he passes the EFL checks which he will there won't be a yeah. problem with that that's not gonna it's, don't you nah. just have to prove how much money you've got don't you and if Donald if let's let's be frank if Stuart Donald's passed that then he's not gonna <laughs> fail it is well, he well let's, let's be brutally honest the only reason it took so long when they came in is because of the way they were buying the club so um I don't think there's going to be any issue with um Kevin Louis Dreyfus and I think yeah and I, I think it's amicable to then up until that point, but I, I would like to think once once he's in the driving seat, so to speak, we will see some changes. I think we've already seen some changes. I think um, I do think the club potentially ran before they walked a bit with Speakman and Johnson coming in, but um, I'm certainly not expecting them to be going anywhere. I think they've they've certainly been devil's advocate on that. People would say, well, that's been prepared and it's not waiting. It's been proactive and it's not waiting for. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. if you have the ability to do that, then why not do that? I wouldn't well, criticise him for that. I, th- I think um, no, no, that's what I mean. I think like the, I think the the desire was always there to do the deal. I think the deal was going to be done in a manner that quite a few of us and quite a few other people were a bit sceptical of. And let, let's be fair here. Like I, I certainly was was concerned that he was kind of being hoodwinked. Um, because we all we all know about certain individuals at the top of the club, who and they uh, they can be smooth tongued when they want to be, and I think that was that was a concern, especially looking young. We don't know, or we didn't know anything about him. Could have been very impressionable, and I think actually the fact that the deal has changed, the fact that the deal did come very close to falling apart, and the fact that he has ultimately managed to get control, I think that's a big positive, and I think it it speaks to the fact that actually. Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe he knows more than myself and possibly others gave him credit for when that when that report first came out back in November. And I think, I think January will be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see what changes, whether certain individuals disappear for good or not. But I think based on what we know so far, I think it's I think it's a big positive. It's been a really really bleak time, and I think we're all sick. We, we've said it before. We're all sick of talking about this sort of stuff, and hopefully. Maybe after by the end of January, we don't really need to look and talk about like structure and who's running this and who's doing that because the primary focus once again becomes what happens on the pitch. And I think, yeah, I think it was music to everyone's ears, not not least because we don't have to say like, oh, it's just a rumor, like, oh, people are making this up, somebody's making that up, where's this come from? Like, it has the deals, the deal's been inked now, the EFL shouldn't be a problem. And okay, it's not hundred percent, which is what people might have wanted. But to my mind, it, it very much reads like it's it's this guy's venture. It's not him and Satori, and and it's gonna be it's gonna fall on him. And we can now hopefully get back to at least having an ownership where we feel like um, their best interests are the best interests of the football club. He doesn't need to make money. Um, the, he he doesn't need to worry. Too much about money. He's got. He's got plenty. But that's not to say he should just go throw it around. But I think a lot of the problems of the last two and a half years have been money related, and they yeah. should go. You know, you know, you're not concerned that all the youth kids are going to get sold off for buttons now. Um, We've got none which... left. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and and I think you know the, the new. I, I would love to just know whose idea this director of football was and where I come from and that stuff. Um, 
couple of things just just before we start, you know, speaking about what we want from from the new owners, uh, from the new guy coming in. I know he said owners plural, it's not, it's just one guy um, coming in um, and what we want from him and speculating him. Uh, I, want to, I want to talk about the, the statement and mention something in that. I have just noticed, by the way, and I've just taken a, a photo of our, our sort of Google Meets situation because I've noticed that Gareth's got the biggest radiator in the world biggest behind him. Man. That's what I'm getting at. I don't know know if anyone's noticed that. Maybe it's just the the angle, but I've never seen a radiator so small. I'm going to tweet it out so people can hear it. It's only a small room, Stephen. I know, but like. But Jesus, it's like. Oh, well, it's like like a borrower's radiator. Oh, no, you're not in there. What kind of radio you got in there? It, it has got a radiator in there, actually. Oh, well, it must be shite then, must not it? No, no, no. Windows, it's windows. Let's slagging not do this. I wasn't slagging it off. Richard showed us his, his radiator now, which is also not a very visual med- medium. But... No, now, because, because you've made me... I've clicked on Gareth. Now I can't see... You know how normally it changes to her speaking? I can now only see Gareth in his radiator. Well... Never mind. Let's not go too, too obvious because we will lose, we will we will lose the listeners entirely. Um, a couple of things that were interesting in, in in the statement. They've clearly you know mentioned the historical context. So because there's been speculation and, and from us as much as anybody, happy to say that about the uh, you know how valid and th- th- this was in terms of going back to the summer when, when the club said they had they were in a period of exclusivity with somebody. And I think they made a point, didn't they, in the statement, um, in the quotes from the new guy, to say, thanks for your patience over the last three months kind of thing. That was them clearly saying, this is what we were told you about three months ago, which, might, whether it was or whether, you know, whether it is or whether, whether it is that or wasn't fair... Fair enough for them to say that. I think they've got the within the rights to say that. What I'm interested in is the fact he said it's public knowledge. I turned down a higher bid. Yeah, you know Who's what that, that is. So well, no, well, do we? Because they have previously, they have previously dismissed anything and everything to do with. Um, can't even remember his name now. William What's a guy? William Story and um, yeah, and his sort of public, very bizarre public. Public, um... yeah, but these people couldn't lie straight in bed. So let's let's be fair. Like they, <laughs> it, that was just we, the the thing. The statement. I thought the statement from Kieran Louis Dreyfus was quite good. I thought I thought the one from Donald was just your typical kind of rewrite history. Let, let's let's manipulate things to make them sound better than what they are. I think this. Let's let's be honest here. We all know for a fact anybody could have offered with a legitimate offer could have whoever. If there was a legitimate higher bid, it would have gone to them. That's why that's why they tried to sell them off Campbell not once but twice because yeah. he was saying he had like fifty million on the table and this, that and the other and if I, I genuinely think they're they're alluding to story there because he's been going out of at forty five million quid this But it contradicts a con- they've always dismissed everything to do with them. So they the so they're saying it's public knowledge we've turned down a higher bid. So what yeah. what is it you know they, con- they contradict each other every time they get out of bed. Like literally, like, like we've literally got countless examples of like um, Charlie Methuen saying one thing and Stuart Don saying another. So, like, I think I know I know what your point is, but I think gen- I generally think that's who they're alluding to. And yeah, I think it- I just think it was curious. I just think it was curious why that was in there. I mean, I know why it was in there. It was in there to try and suggest, like you said, that you know, no, no, I've got, I'm thinking about you and 
this is the best thing, obviously. But um, I just wondered if it was a story they were talking about because that's been the only public figure relating to a bid for Sunderland, so I'm guessing it is that. Um, oh. That's a cat. You know, right in the microphone, that was as well. You haven't had the cat yet, I wish they could be out. pouring a pint? It's a black cat. I'm pouring a pint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, got a, Chris got a beer pump for Christmas, everyone. Yeah, set... set. This is seven days in a row. I'm going to go for a full three six five. What kind of what? What's the machine? Is it a Krupp's one or something? Is nah, it? Nah, it's not. It's not one of them. It's called Physics or something. Um, and it's a, it's nifty. Like I've I mean, heard mixed reports on the beer pumps. Like honestly, it's, it's good. Like Otherwise, sorry, you gonna... if you if you you've brought it upstairs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording just, the podcast. Um, I'm just beer taking pump. the beer pump out of the kitchen, darling. Put it in the uh, in the spare room. <laughs> Celebrate so you're that in three days. Yeah. Do you have to take that in that room with you, do you? You only do the podcast for half an hour. Well, no, I'm, I'm taking, it, I'm mean, taking it with us. Let, well, the preamble was half an hour, Stephen. I've been sat up here for an hour now. We've only been recording for 18 minutes. We've Chris will never be able to have a can again. He's going to take that at house parties with that, him, that, isn't it? He's going to turn his nose up with cans from this moment forward. Hashtag cans. I'm going to know. I need to take a machine where... It turns my can into a draft. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even denying it. <laughs> well, there you go. I've totally lost off where we were yeah. now. Um, Why don't what, you talk, Richard? Because I feel I, think, well, I feel I, I like if what, you don't talk soon, you might jump out the window. You've got to be. You've got to be more assertive, Richard. I'm yeah. afraid in these I situations. I haven't said anything. Yeah, I haven't given the, an opinion on anything yeah. apart from um, Stephen's head and Chris's beer pump. I think you know. You know what I, I think is interesting. Did anybody see? Um, so there, was, there were the only other quotes that I can see on this, apart from the official um, through the official club channels um, from Louis Dreyfus, was um, he spoke? And I, I can't remember the the publication, but it's some European was it? Lekeep was it? Was it right? Okay, um, where he then um, hinted at a big factor of, of him being interested in Sunderland was obviously the fan base because he said, you know, you can't, he said, you can't buy. That was the, the phrase he used in terms of Sunderland getting 30,000 fans in League One when, and, and more, and he gave the percentage of the Premier League that got less. What is really, really ironic is that that is a clear indication of how much the current or the previous lot, if we'll call them that, use the fan base to try and sell Sunderland while at the same time telling us that we are preventing the club from being sold and slagging them off at every opportunity. And it clearly, it's a big, big selling point, isn't it? Obviously. I just thought that was interesting. You just think... I just think they've got... I think you, it's just the nerve of it. It's the nerve to, to tell Sunderland fans that they are preventing the sale when at the same time they're going to prospective buy saying, oh, fans are amazing here. But I think Do you know what I mean? It just it just shows them up, doesn't it? It, really? it shows them up for, for on a number of layers, and you know we we've had. I remember you know when we were bidding for the for the uh, World Cup, and one of the the footage was all from a Sunderland game, I believe, for for one of the. I think it was, it was a Sunderland Arsenal game um, that they used um, when they were compiling the the video. Um, you know, there's, it's not just in Sunderland, where people have a, a level of respect for, you know, the the supporters who, who go to the games, and I think the the whole reason, you know, 
well, the probably one of the main reasons why they they they're exiting consortium, you know, of Donald and Co. And probably bought something in the first place probably was because of the the the, the fans and the new that. But from a different perspective, in that you know we've got this, we've got an opportunity to. I don't want to say manipulate because that seems even a, a bit harsh because maybe their intentions initially weren't fully that. Um, but obviously once the mask slips, that's it. You, you can't go back. But there's an opportunity there to use the fan base and you know, a core time. And I know like some people have said, you know, we, we were in cahoots with the owners or whatever. But there was a time, you know, we had spoken to them a few times and I remember speaking to to Mr. Methven once about support. Well, it, we met him in literally before a game. Um, it was a Barnsley game where we won four two, and I remember he had someone with him from a, another publication, and he was going on about the reach of fan media in Sunderland, and it was this whole. It seemed like they were almost obsessed with that, like the 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 volume of supporters. The reach that the supporters have, you know, the 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 voices that supporters have got at Sunderland, it almost seemed like, you know, it, it was a, a double-edged sword for them in that, like, yeah, we can use we can use these supporters to to sell the club faster, um, which they try to do, obviously, um, get the word out that, like you said, Chris, the these supporters are an asset, but then when it all goes wrong, obviously. That other side of the sword comes in, and it's you know well, we 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 the problem. And let's be honest, you know, they, it's, it's, they wouldn't have bought it. They wouldn't no, have bought no. it in the first place if it wasn't for the fan base. No. Why they would they wouldn't have, they would have got nowhere near it. Like we all know that they're putting nowhere near as much in as they claimed they were going to. But even if they're in for well, I think it's about sixty million quid, they, they wouldn't have paid that for any other club. They wouldn't have, because no. the only reason the only reason this club is. Is worth something in this division is because of the because of the fan base. The only reason we've got a massive stadium is because eventually one day we'll fill it again. Because that like and and I think Stephen, you bang on. Like the the the, the really infuriating thing is they've kind of used that to their advantage, and then whenever something's gone wrong, they've tried to turn around and blame us for it. Like the, the let's be honest here, right? Like we've there's been takeovers in the past where it's all fallen to bits now the fact that this one's gone through and what uh, Louis Jeff has said to the keep it's testament to the fact that he obviously looks and thinks you know what if I get this right here this could be amazing like there's massive potential here and he's the club's in a far worse state than it was two years ago when when this lot bought it far, no, far no, no, no you don't, even, you no, don't even have to get it Absolutely right. You just have to get it a little bit right. Of course, you no, no you know club I mean? in no club of sort of so. Who do you th- when you think of Sunderland, right? And you think of like potential and who they are and all that stuff. And you think lots of clubs similar on them. You know, Villa, Leeds. I sort of say that sort of like level really is is where Sunderland is in terms of fan base and reputation yeah. and stuff like that. And nobody who knows about football and this guy does because he was brought up in a football or you know a family. Nobody but nobody thinks that you're going to take over a fan a club with a fan base like that, and that they aren't going to, you know, they aren't going to be vocal and loud about certain things at certain times. That's it's fun. not realistic. You, you're not you're not a tiny you're not a tiny little 
you know, village club where everybody's like joining hands and singing even though you lose 10 nil. It's not realistic. It's part of the appeal. Like, the the fact, like, the thing is, if if people are being vocal and people are criticising, it's because they've got the best interests of the club at heart. The flip side of that is, if you get it right, you're going to absolutely adore it. Like, let's, let's be, let's be brutally honest here. The, the welcome that the last owners, well, the currently still still the majority owners until this all gets sorted with the AFL, but the the welcome that they got two and a half years ago was like more kind of like like um, they were fawned over far more than any other man, uh, ownership in my lifetime. Yeah. Even even when Drummerville came in, they didn't get that sort of acclaim. The Drummerville came in, and you've got to think it, it started out like a damp squib. Like the it started out terribly. Like Quinn was managing that. The gates were down. It was only when Keane came in that that really started picking up. The, these guys, they, they, they knew what they were doing. And to be fair, I, I, I do agree. Actually, I don't think it was, certainly on one of them's behalf, I don't think it was as underhand at first as it's transpired to be. I don't think that was always the intention. I think they did genuinely have, think they could just get us promoted and go. Yeah, uh, and, enjoy, and enjoy the ride. As football much, yeah. fans, yeah, but they which, were, which, they yeah. were given they were given unbelievable support. Anyone, let, let's be honest, even after the first season, anyone who spoke out against them was vilified by them, but also by by fellow fans. Let's be fair, and they stoked that they did stoke that, and that, that's shameful. But they were given incredible support. So for them to suggest that like fans have stopped the takeover and driven people away, it's just, it's just total bollocks. And I think it's the thing is. The, the, Kind of touched on it there about like the the distance between the Guardian report and the deal going through. I think it was about six weeks. Now, in that six weeks, it's not like first of all we know the deals changed fundamentally anyway, but second of all, it seems pretty clear to me that Kirillou Dreyfus will have been learning as much as he possibly can about the club, about its fans, about like the the wider situation regarding this. So he's only going to know more about us now and more about the expectation and the fact he. The fact that rather than walk away, he's gone. Well, actually, I want to control this whole thing. I want to do it. I want to do it myself. Like, that just shows that like, the fans have never been the problem here. Let's let's be let's be brutally honest. We've got twelve thousand season ticket holders who bought season tickets, knowing full well it was very unlikely they were going to get to see a lot of football. That's propped. That's propped these guys up. That has helped these guys stay around longer. So I think yeah. It's. I think it's a good point to bring up, but I think we all know that it's just it's total bollocks to ever suggest that the fans are anything but a but a positive for the club. I agree, Richard. Would you like to say something? <laughs> are you awake? <laughs> well, yes, yes, I am awake. Um, the the point I was going to make uh, is that the fans are, are always going to be a little bit reluctant when when a new owner comes in. If you look at the last four owners of the club. Including Louis Dreyfus, it, it's it's out of the, the out of three times it, it hasn't ended well. There's only the Drummerville succession to Ellis Short that that was kind of relatively positive. Everything else has been bad owner or kind of bad times around the club straight into into, into good times. So so yeah, we were relieved when 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 the three Musketeers came in like two years ago, but obviously it didn't didn't end well. Um, so the you know the fan the fans are the currency at this level the fans are the are the unique selling point of the club. Um, we're always you know the, the the sheer numbers of us 
means that we're going to support pretty vociferously but there's going to be a huge amount of people that aren't very happy as well so and you're always going to ask questions as yeah, well like it's... you know I'm, I'm sorry let's not get it twisted you know that you know we wanted this to happen more or as, certainly as much as anybody else um i yeah i've been watching Sunderland since i was six year old actually last time we were in the third division was the first time i watched them grew up in sunderland and you know i want more of this club than than anybody who's ever owned Sunderland does so so let's just get that straight but because as Chris said there the amount of adulation that the the Charlie and Stewart got when they came in from from us included to an extent I think um no, we did because it was different we, we exactly but but, but, so that, but that just that so justifies so what happened but what happened yeah. no that just that justifies you can ask questions you're going to challenge it of course you are you're not going to just you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking questions at all. We, we, need, we, need, we need to learn from the last. Well, a big worry, yeah. a worry and symbol, a worry and point for me would be if, if next month, Wiseman, Sia, or Rutter Report, or Love Supreme, or SCFC Fan TV, or any one of them, get a phone call from the club or someone else and say, "Don't think it'll be us, Chris." I'll be honest. <laughs> or the, the... Somebody, you know, somebody contacts me directly. Um, <laughs> And says, well, the police. <laughs> Not again. Um, <laughs> and says, Kira Lou Jeffers wants to come on the podcast. Kira Lou Jeffers wants to do an interview with you or something like that. Because, look, I get why. <clears throat> we all know, we know why we did it. We know why other outlets have done it. But now we've seen that there isn't, there's an ulterior motive to it. There's a motive because it's, it's buttering people up and, it, and it's trying to ensure that when things do go south... People give you give you a bit more bit more time, bit more bit more help, sort of thing. Like the fact of the matter is, the best thing that anyone coming into this football club now can do <coughs> is just get on with the job. Be honest, like do, talk through the club, talk through the official channels, but don't don't leak news to fanzines because that compromises their objectivity. Don't be like. Don't be trying to create an us against them mentality against agents or players or youth players or whatever. Just get on and do the job. Essentially, stop talking and just get it done. Like I think Speakman and Johnson, they've done stuff with the club. And I, I actually thought the the podcast that they've done with uh, with Frankie and Danny, I, I listened to both of them this week. Finally got around to it, and they, they speak really well. But until we see some action, yeah. it's all it's all just noise. Like people, at the end of the day. Let's let's be fair here. No matter how these guys bought the club, if we were currently in the playoffs in the championship, very few people would be would be. I'd still be whinging on because I can't help myself. But a lot of people would say, "Well, it's going okay on the pitch. We can we can get we can get we can get on with that." Now, obviously, the reason it hasn't gone well on the pitch is is all linked to that. But the fact of the matter is, we support a football team. We want to see the football team do well, get that right, and all the rest falls into place. I think on the on the point that you made though about the whole, you know, I think that's been one of the big discussion points, and that was I think going back to the original discussion around how previous ownership, the the, the previous ownership, if you want to call them that again, that used fan outlets um, to further themselves um, and to 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 garner that sort of. You know positivity from supporters. Um, you know now in 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 the cold light of day, the, it was opportunistic, and you know it it it's compromised lots of people. And 
made a lot of people, you know, across the board look look silly. And you know, really, those ownership the ownership group had a duty of care to the supporters, really, not not to do that to them. But they they probably didn't care to a point. Um, I would say previously, like now, we've obviously the club with the the route put now with the, with a the pod with Frankie and, and Danny and all that they probably don't need to engage with supporters but there is a like through through the, those channels but there is a way to do it um you know the, there is a the right there's a right way to do it and you know there's there's no reason why you know like other pods I know you see from other clubs so the owner might go on at the end of the season once a year, or like Anfield, rather had like people it's, on from the club diff- and stuff. There's a way. There's a way to do it, and there's yeah. a way to do it, and the way to do it is that way. The way to do it is to say we're going to funnel. We're going to funnel all of our information through these people and ignore everybody else. And this this goes back to when we, you know, when when we wanted to do the live podcast with Chris Coleman and the club agreed to it and stuff. And all we wanted to do was speak to Chris Coleman about football. Because he comes across as a really insightful guy who really knows his football, and that's that's what we are about personally as a podcast generally, and that's all we wanted. And and, and Martin being demanded that he was going to come on it, yeah, and almost to like to control the information and all this stuff about you know, and, and and the one thing that the current lot did when they came in, I think open up access is great personally. But we never wanted them really to come. We never asked them to come on our podcast. We we the only we asked for Jack Ross, you know, because uh, and stuff like that is great because we want to talk to Jack Ross about football and 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 that's that's the thing really. And opening access up like that when it comes to controlling a message about the in the runnings and the ins and outs of the club, really, partly that's not something. You, is is our business in a way, but you know, you use but the official challenge if you're going to do that. You spot on, though. To be fair, because when if you think about it now, if we if we go back and look look at the date of when um, the orders have appeared on certain podcasts and that, <clears throat> okay, at the start they were doing like one a month kind of thing, but um, let let's be fair here. When back in I think it was May 2019. That Daily Mail article came out just before the playoff final. Which okay, yeah, like I, I, I think I can see why a lot of fans turned around and said, "Oh, you're just trying to disrupt us before the playoff final." But the, the article came out and discussed the way that they they bought the club, and within a week they were on a, a supporters podcast slagging off not only the the Daily Mail but also fans, myself included. And you look and think, well, by yeah. Yeah, there's, only, there's only one podcast getting slaggy off Chris and that's <laughs> exactly and um, you can sleep safely in your cot knowing <laughs> that we will be the ones who will slag but, you off but but that that's that's kind of like the the thing is that happened and you look back at it now and it's so blatantly like what you've just said there Stephen it's so blatantly trying to control the message Let, let's be let's be honest again here the reason it went south the, the moment it went south with Robert Report and Stuart Donald was when he contacted them after telling Gareth that he wasn't doing, he wasn't speaking to podcasts anymore, he was going to go through the Ren White Army, that was the only channel, and Gareth said, okay, that, that's fine, that's probably sensible. And then he reached out to Robert Report and wanted to do a podcast with them. And fair play to them for, for no, no, yeah, telling fair, them to get, no, no, you know, piss off as well. 
it's it's good that they did that because it but it was it was quite blatant that they were trying to control the message they were, and what they were trying to do and what unfortunately they were successful at doing for I would say a year and a half was pitching fans against one another. He's gone. Oh, I'm still here. <laughs> Probably it's still gone. Still gone. <laughs> um, but they were they they managed to pitch fans against one another and 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 it's and it's shameful and I think. Ultimately, like Stephen, you said it there. Um, like, no, it doesn't matter who the owner is, unless we unless we find a lifelong Sunderland fan who manages to take over this club, which it's not going to happen. Um, no one is going to love the club more than the people who follow it week in week out. So, ultimately, like, I think I think we just we all, and I include ourselves in this, we all have to be wary. Like it. I, th- I think it is. It, it it's really hopeful what happened on Christmas Eve and but Christmas Day Eve, Christmas Eve, and Christmas I, Eve. And it kind just, of is Christmas Day Eve in a way, I guess. Well, no, it literally is Christmas Day Eve, but you you just call it Christmas Eve. You don't have to call it Christmas Day Eve. I think I think you've just, stumped them. You've stumped them. You've done me. You've stumped them. Finished. Um, Maybe they that's, all, right that's all Stuart Donnelly to say. It's all Stuart Donnelly to ask what do you call the day before Christmas Day, <laughs> and it would have would have done him in. And game over. As we record <laughs> on New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think um, yeah, no one. <clears throat> we all we all want the best for the club. We all want um, we all want to believe that something good is happening, and I, and I just think. I think it, it is a moment to be hopeful, but I, I think we also will have to be wary of rushing into things and getting like head over heels again. Now, everything. Oh, right, Chris, you haven't just been divorced. <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like I that. Prob- I probably will be, if, but actually, I, I haven't managed to get married this year, so. Um, yeah. You had a few goals, like, I think. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like getting divorced to somebody and then that partner's still owning your house, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he can't go and break the windows, basically. <laughs> yeah, we're not advocating breaking the, any windows. Yeah. I'm not sure that analogy even worked, but I got a laugh out of it anyway. So <laughs> I'm going to say I did. Um, I think. What, 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 I mean, what, what, my feeling. What are you feeling on the on on Louis Dreyfus initially? My well, is for, that for, he kind of the vibe I'm getting from him is that you know, like in '80s films, <clears throat> he's kind of feels like a cool kid from an '80s film. That's kind of like uh, like from a John Hughes film or something, maybe like a ski resort type movie where but he's he is, like a rich he is kid. Currently skiing. Oh well, there you go. Perfect. So you've done, you've done very well. There. Yeah, there he is. He's a you know that's what's that's what's going to happen. <clears> so that's, that's my with? view. Sorry. I <laughs> yeah, so 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 yeah, if you're listening, um, Kirill, you, you can get a uh, lovely get your ski on at the um, artificial slope, and then pop to Sainsbury's afterwards. Um, and maybe the range. Maybe you'll invest. Maybe you'll invest in the ski slope, and that's what the <laughs> community, the work in the community was going to be. We, actually, they were going to, and Richard might remember this more because he's probably working as a journalist at the time. But wasn't there going to be a the UK's biggest indoor ski slope next to the Stadium of Light? Wasn't that the Echo? Would definitely. I know you didn't work for the Echo, was, but wasn't it was some kind of like put, Snowland? Wasn't it like they've got? Yeah, it was going to be the biggest <laughs> in the country. Yeah. And that was, that was a goal, and that was going to be next to the Stadium of Light, and that was all done and dusted. Apparently, maybe I'll show me age. 
again. <clears throat> was no, it with the was... EFL though? That's the main thing. Because if, <laughs> if it was if the, if your thought was going to Snowland was going to happen, it was with the EFL. And it didn't <laughs> they, go through. They it, moved it mean. somewhere else. It's somewhere else. You can see from the motorway. I think isn't he? I can't remember where it is now. Or like the escape is it? Like in like Sheffield or Manchester? Near Sheffield, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I went there. That was it's massive. That there's no way you could have that next to the stadium. Like it's huge. Wow. There's wow. a big there's a big river next to the stadium. Like, like it's before the hotel. There's a lot of land there. there. There's a lot of land there, Gareth. And uh, Kirill's gonna build loads of hotels there. <laughs> and a big ski slope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not sure where we've got again. Does anybody have like? Uh, uh, what what's going to be significant is if he brings somebody in. I think to I to think to to, to, be... to run the club because you can say what you like, and no new owner is gonna is gonna come in by Sunderland <clears throat> and say, well, actually, it's a bit of an investment for me, and if we get promoted, I'm probably going to sell the club on. Yeah, right. That's... Nobody's going to say it. Nobody's going to say that. Now, I'm not saying he is. I, I don't think. He, I don't think that's why he is in it. Because I think with somebody with a passion for football and with, and with a background like he has in football from a football family, you would think he he thinks it's just a good project at the right time for him. But you know, actions speak louder than words, and I, I think you know it. It will be significant to us if he brings in somebody with a background and with a reputation who's done this before to say, go and run that club day to day because we need somebody here in Sunderland. That We, right. we need somebody here in Sunderland doing this job on day to day. Okay, now, he, he, might, he might meet Rodwell and think, yes, you're my guy, but I think it would make a big statement <laughs> if he was to go and bring in somebody tried and tested. I think he I probably about... knows some people who aren't Jim Rodwell. I was going to say, I was just about to say... I think I think what happens with Jim Rodwell is kind of our sort of gateway into barometer. It's yeah, it's like it's like is this a real change or not? And my my honest belief is that there will there will be, um, or maybe maybe I'm just being overly hopeful. But um, I just think like it it would be a remarkable coincidence if if this guy comes in. He's got he's got a vision, he's got a plan, he's got the contacts we're told he has, and he decides that Jim Rodwell's the best man for the job. Um I I honestly don't I Jim honestly Rodwell might, might might fight his corner on that one, mind. He, he, might, he, might, he, he might. He might. He might meet him and I would like to think really. he got knocked out in the first round still... if he tried to do that because <laughs> I just I don't I don't see how someone who has like not exactly pulled up any trees at Notts County and Scarborough is now suddenly the person who's don't forget Boston and oh, Scunthorpe what is Scunthorpe sorry sorry yeah. <laughs> it was a different it was a, Scarborough get your fuck Chris yeah Boston went bust as well because right. oh, was there it's, it's this beer pump I'm sorry yeah. um, but no I think I think that's the telling one to see what happens there and I, I think truthfully um the, the speakman appointment looks like being um, certainly have been at the behest of, of Louis Dreyfus and I think if, he, if he's going to do the football side you would expect someone who's going to come in and do the other stuff and to, to, to me from my impression and understanding of what's gone on so far like Rodwell's always been very 
much football focused. He, he obviously he used to play. And I think so. I don't really see how he fits into the, the structure if, if Speakman's there as well. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's still there. And I think the, you said they seem like a barometer. Like, the problem we have is, I think I think we all know that um, Nethan um, resigned over a year ago, but he still appears to be privy to pretty much everything that goes on. So it's going to be quite difficult to tell whether or not he's completely out of the loop, so to speak. Um, so I think Rodwell's the only really the only one who, um, from the outside looking in, we're going to be able to tell whether this is like a... Well, if you get any club statements slagging the fans off, we'll know. Well, <laughs> let's be honest, right? Like, I know I know it's, it's Kirill Louis-Dreyfus running the club, but his mother is, like, the richest woman in the world. Like, I'm sure she doesn't suffer fool gladly, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if, she'll probably be thinking, who's this greasy prick? Like let's be honest. Like, like let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? Like, but to, to, to like my the, mind. they are like like the, these people. The people who've been running the club are like people from the, again, the, from the, a lot of eighties theme. They are they are like businessmen from the nineteen eighties. They are. It's like a, a, it's like a big deal. Up. It's like a big. It's like American Psycho, but like not as sexy. It's like that's what it's like. It's like these people who've like obsess over business cards and like what what other business cards other person's got and it's it, that that is the vibe you get off them and that's kind of reflected it feels as though like when they've been at the club doing deals is like a thing and it's like almost when you get to that critical point of the deal where you almost got it over the line they always try and pinch a little bit more to try and almost assert themselves in a situation or like Sort of make sure they know who really is the boss, and it'll be interesting to, to you know it'll be interesting to know how far this went on this occasion where you know Louis Dreyfus kind of whether he himself decided or he was advised it was like this is like a good deal to buy Sunderland, but it's a bad deal on the terms that they wanted on because you you're you're not getting control a full control and interest in the football club, and it, it would be good for somebody if 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 it did happen that way that. You know the current lot were put back in the box, um, yeah. and we and we won out of it for a change because in previous in you know previous occasions, you know where they've tried to pinch a bit at the end, um, it's backfired and it's not only backfired for them but it's backfired for us as well because we lost Josh Madger, we lost we didn't get Lyle Taylor, um, things like that and it's like, you know there's there's lots of these little kind of incidences. I mean, what happened with the stadium sponsorship deal that was supposed to happen? You know, that was <clears> going to bring revenue into the football club. That just died on its ass. There's, there's, there's a reason why, you know... In, well, and they, like, I don't want to get... I mean, we've probably been going on for ages anyway, so I don't want to mention FPP, but I just have. But, um, <laughs> you know, you look at that deal and, like, they they went about trying to get that what they wanted a different way and not the way that was explained in oh they're investing in me they're not investing in you mate like you know su- superheroes are people like Superman and Batman and they're not insurance salesmen from Oxford and like when when these people came in they were built up to be these like superheroes and they dined out on that and they went around and got the pints and got the photographs. And they didn't when get we end, and then we're hailed as we're hailed as heroes for doing absolutely bot all, you know, and maybe they've just been, you know, found out by somebody who comes from a a, a lot of a, a lot richer stock than than well, they do. The, 
the inter- I think the inter- thing you brought up FPP there. I think the interesting thing is that was that ultimately was becoming that was like a noose around their necks because they knew that if they couldn't they couldn't find someone to buy the club, then ultimately FPP were going to get it for nothing because they were going to run out of money. They weren't going to be able to pay them back. So FPP get the club. Now in a way, look, I think like I don't. Like what you said there, Gareth. I don't really want to dwell on FPP. I, I think, I think what what happened a year ago was shameful, and I think that's why they should never be forgiven. I think it was a huge opportunity massive for the club. Miss, a massive missed opportunity. Oh yeah, it's, a, it's an absolutely huge opportunity. But if we accept that it's gone, I think the fact that look, I don't, I don't know how much Kevin Jeffers has had to pay for whatever percentage of the club he's got, but the the chances are he's he. Well, he's almost certainly paid more than FPP were willing to pay at this stage, or you would assume they would have got the club. So I think ultimately he he'll have known that he couldn't just let them run out of money. In any other business, if you wanted to buy the business and you knew that the owners were running out of money, you'd go, "Well, I tell you what, I'll just wait and I'll pick it up for a pound at the end of the day." Sort of thing. Whereas in this instance, that wasn't an option because there was someone who already had a claim on it. So I think the fact that he's clearly gone. Look, I'm not. I'm not willing to let it go. Like I want to. I want to buy it. And that's, we all. We know. We know what they're like. We know that that they wanted to make money out of this, so they they will have gotten a deal that works for them. That would be. That would be why it looks like Methuen and Satori's shareholding hasn't changed. It's why we assume Donald's kept an element of shares. But I. I think for us, if we if we take away our feelings about the outgoing majority owners. It's a good thing because it shows that Louis Dreyfus has gone, look, you know what it is? This is worth the investment. This is worth me getting into. I don't, I, I know we've said already, but I honestly can't believe that we'll be sat here a month from now and there'll be nothing that's changed, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm almost certain that the moment he gets in the door, we're going we're gonna to see something that says to us, this is a change. This is a new direction. This is this is a this is not just a new owner in name. This is a new owner who's going to do something different. And look, it might not work. It might not work. It might go disastrously wrong. <laughs> We've seen it happen before. We all thought Ellis Short was like the, the, the big ticket kind of thing, but at least there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. There's never a guarantee. But the, the at least only guarantee we know money, that money, there. The only guarantee money gives you is safety, and that, that yeah. that's at this stage is important. That is, you know, look is. at other look at other clubs in the in the top flight who've had huge investments <clears> for money. You know, it, it just it doesn't mean that you automatically just get into the Champions League because you've got loads of money. You that know, and we and we had we had loads of money at one stage. We just yeah. spent it badly. Um, Burned it, burn it, didn't he? At a time, at a time when that was probably a time where, if we'd used our money well, we probably could have got ourselves into that top six. Because at that time, it was probably only really Chelsea who were, you know, banging the money in, and then Man City shortly afterwards, and they did it badly at the start, really, didn't they? Let's be honest. I mean. The, they didn't. Oh, yeah. It took well, them a while. Thing. It took them well, a man, while. Man, to, man City needed Man City needed the second takeover yeah, before they the got it. Right. Yeah, the second takeover. Yeah, the first takeover didn't didn't go well well, at that's all. A, that's the thing, and that's why. But I think what to me anyway, a lot of, a lot of people I've spoken to, and I I think we all agree in this group. Like one of the kind of reassuring things is the 
people's first reaction has not been to go, oh, get in, we're absolutely loaded here. The first reaction has been, get in, thank God there you're going. And then it's been, right, let's see what the plan is. Like, to me, getting a sporting director in, look, it's not, it's not, it's not like unique. It's not something not, nobody else is doing. But based on where this football club's been for the last five years, it's a step forward. Look, Lee Johnson, I know, like, I, I probably am going to have to, like, tune out a bit when we get beat. But because some of the things he says, it, it does make you laugh and it feels a little bit cliche, but you can tell he thinks very deeply about things and he and he and he does his work and he does his research and look he likes to play attack and football we, we've all been seeing that's what we need in this division so again it's a it's a step forward and i i just i think we, like we say you can't guarantee anything it is pointless us seeing right now yet yeah, this is our ticket to the big time it's going to be great but we've got a bit of hope, and I and I don't think we've had that for for far too long. And it's it's been really difficult. It's been crap. Like I think we've we've talked about it. Like this this year has been rubbish for everyone. Football's meant to be an escape, and it, and it hasn't been. It it's not been enjoyable. All it's done is compounded the misery. So to have a little bit of hope, to have like the impression that the best interests of the club are once again going to be at the forefront of the owner's mind. I, that it's it's great, and I, I think we just have to wait and see. We'll have to see what happens. Sorry, Phil Gareth gone. <laughs> no, I was, just, I was just thinking when before we started recording, we were like, "Oh, trying to do forty-five minutes." Oh, we're well we were past that. We were, that cover, we were trying to cover the um, the game on Saturday as well. Um, well, obviously, we haven't even talked about the COVID stuff, and we've been gone for about fifty minutes, so. Richard looks like he's going to kill himself. He really does. <laughs> it feels... You know when you walk into the pub and your mates are all talking about something else and you're just waiting for an in? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, we're talking about owners. And I'm just waiting for me in and it's, it's, it's gone... It's passed as a past as by, to be honest. We keep I've, trying had, to I've bring had a number in, of good points that I was going to make. With but, you know. <laughs> it's because it's it's we're all drinking. With a face like <laughs> Stuart Donald after he... Found out that Mark Campbell didn't have any money. <laughs> I think the best the best thing that the outgoing owners have done, apart from selling the club, is they changed the colour of the seats. And even then, they didn't do that. And if that's, yeah, we did. If well, that's I didn't like, do it, but yeah. If that's the kind of the hallmark of of their reign, well, it says everything, doesn't it? Well, it's a, it's, it's a window, isn't it, Richard? Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a window, isn't it, in their, their mentality? And they weren't banking on the seats being so visible <coughs> this season, but oh. they look great. Well, let's be fair. Match we, the matchday experience, that's something else, little as well. Like not, even, not even getting into the transfer strategies and, and what you've got to do with the academy and all that stuff. The finer details like that need looking at, like the event side of it. Of course it is. I mean, I, I've been seeing this for, for years. When, when Short was owner... And chairman for years about looking at you know little things about how you can make um, the match day better. M- moving the away fans pitch side is a start, not behind one of the goal. Little things like that. Um, pers- personally, yeah. I know like, this. This is my opinion. This is very much my opinion. Not everybody agrees. Um, I know Richard's Richard's obsessed with leaving them up there and put a big net up in front of them. Yeah. I think yeah, I, I, I would I would separate the stands personally and give each 
each stand its own identity. I, I don't think it's needed. It's required that you need to be able to move around the ground and have it so nondescript. Um, and and and, and Steve, that would start Steve as well. Steve wants a cage up just to what, bring back the you're good old days. Separating this. How are you doing that, Stephen? <laughs> are you taking the corners? I'm, I'm not right. I'm not going to. Maybe it's a conversation for another day. I've mentioned it before. I work at events. So that's my problem. I can, you know. I just uh, think I don't somebody think that's needs your only to. Problem, to, to be fair, somebody needs needs somebody needs a grip on it. What you what you get? <laughs> yeah. I think is a is a Stephen rocking up tomorrow with a bulldozer at the stadium. I'm just taking a. Richard ruin these corners, darling. Don't worry about this. Wouldn't take that. This, just a big, just a big, down. just a big creativity. I, that's the thing. I think, I think your point though, Stephen, it's like a fair one because let, let's be honest. Like again, when these guys first came in, look, they were they were going on podcasts and they were accepting, they were answering questions from all across the fan base, saying, "Can you do this? Can you do that?" And they were going, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. That's a good idea. Yeah, we'll look into that. We'll do." That. Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came of it. And I think. Look, I don't, I don't expect any owner to actually come in and do everything on everyone's checklist. But the the big problem, like two and a half years ago, we felt really disconnected from the club. They recognised that. Let's be fair, they recognised that, and they came in and they said, "Well, what we'll do is we'll put that connection back together." And like I, like I've been like a critic of them for ages, but I, I said at the time, I said, "Look, they, they get it. They understand it. They they want to like join the fans back." back with the club and that they wanted it to be a community thing now it all turned out to be a sham but that's why like right now it's really really difficult for fans to kind of get taken in again and i think i think it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna require a lot of patience on our part like whoever comes in like if like kirillary jeffs has come in like the manager the sporting director the things that need to change at the football club aren't quick fixes like we, truthfully, my my own opinion is we're pretty unlikely to go up this year. There's going to be people if that happens. There's going to be people in May who are really really pissed off that we've got a fourth season in League One. It's not going to be the fault of the people who are now in charge, and it require it requires patience on our part. But it's going to be it's going to be really incremental changes. It's going to be really small steps in order to to first of all turn it around and second of all win people's trust back. And I think. I think I think scepticism is like welcome and I think what all we need to see is that people are acting in the best interests of the club because for too long that hasn't been happening. Yeah. Shall we have a break and then come back and talk about what we can talk about in terms of football? <laughs> there. The break. It's like hmm, very much have a word. Well uh Contract dictates we need to have a little break, Gareth. <laughs> Otherwise, we just we just plough through and do the last ten minutes. But we'll put a little split in. I agree. Can I get a Can I get a drink in the break? Yeah, I'm gonna get beer. I'm, I'm gonna go for a break then. Go on the break, okay. Stephen. Three, two, one, break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Stephen Elliott, and you listen to the Wise Man Say podcast. So, did anybody get any decent clobber for Christmas? No. No. <laughs> Well, here's, here's, here's the opportunity, the perfect opportunity to rectify that. Because if you get yourselves along the air from the terraces, you can get yourself 10% off. If you use the, the, the code WMS10, get 10% off, 10% off your basket for any of the amazing gear that they do. That, yes, I agree. Strongly mm-hmm. agree. Um, yeah. And I will notify all of my family that they can use the code WMS10 in order to get 10% off the purchase when they buy me Christmas presents for next year. And I know that you can do it now because the beauty of it is you get all your Christmas money because I'm 37 and I still get Christmas money. And you can spend it on stuff that you want rather than stuff that you, you wanted three months ago and told your family about. Also, I would recommend, you know, the, the Mowbray jacket is fantastic. <clears throat> and I've actually had a lot of uh, compliments from family when I've dropped presents off at the door and stood two metres back wearing my from the terraces and jacket. I mean I know we're giving them a good That's plug good. but I can't ever believe that you got a compliment on anything Chris so no, I, I mean you, will you know are that, stretching it a little bit you will know that I said from family <laughs> well I, I know but even then I mean I've been out <laughs> with your dad when you've been there oh, yeah, when we've called you a finance in front out. of them he's pissing himself so <laughs> like, he absolutely gets involved he loves it that's, so. that's been the one upside of this pandemic to be honest <laughs> <laughs> The best part is I know he's listening to this. Yeah, right yeah, now. great. He'll be, and he'll be laughing at um, all of the insults that we've leveled up. He's great, place. great, great company, your dad. I like he him. Is, yeah, company. yeah. We we'll just tell you to go and sit elsewhere. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs> Should we get back on with the pod? Mickey, Mickey Lop was um, was was sporting some from the terraces stuff for Christmas. I noticed. So I hope I his family he, used. Yeah. I hope his family used the discount code. I think Mickey Lop. I think. Of all the people in the world who've used that discount code, I think Mickey Love must have used it about 170 times. <laughs> or, you know, because he has got he's a lot of on the terraces gear. Yeah. So, you know. So well, it's safe like from WMS 10. Saved him a lot of money if he has used it that Fair many play. times. You know. Right. Um, not a lot to talk about in terms of football because. Um, the squad's been riddled with the with the coronavirus, um, and we've 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 barely played. Um, so it's been great, I think I, I just it would be typical Sunderland for those. And again, if anyone's listening in twenty thirty years time, they'll know how this season <laughs> panned out. Yeah. But it would be so typical of Sunderland feel like a promoted 
because they decided to play the Wimbledon game at home when yeah. they they just didn't just can't and for whatever reason we can speculate and there's lots of rumours flying around around why the Sunderland weren't prepared to make that final decision to say right we can't play the game. The probability is it would have been fine if they just cancelled it and yeah. they drew the game against the side they should have beat and you just kind of know that that's going to come back. I think some of, I think some of the um the criticism that was leveled at the club around that was a little bit harsh because like I know some people had theories about you know well you know they don't want to get investigated because they get caught for breaking <clears throat> like covid protocols yeah. that's the rumor this, isn't it? it it's just like well if they're not getting reassurances from the EFL that because it's ambiguous, isn't it? It's like they could say, "Well, you you put you put out an eleven, so you didn't need to cancel the game." But do, do, do you think maybe the size of the clubs done us here a little bit? Where were you like maybe going into them and, and maybe I, looking at this? Because yeah, I can't imagine. Exactly. Again, I'm generalising a bit, but I can't imagine Accrington Stanley's owners turned round and said. Well, right, he will definitely feed, turn can, around can, and say, I mean, "Exactly, well, can, we know. exactly." So <laughs> I, I can't, I can't imagine he's turned around and saying, "Can you just give us the specifics and the processes and the procedures?" He's clubs like that would just turn around and say, I "Can't play, sorry." I think, and, and, and then that, and then that's it. Exactly. I was going to say, I, I think, think a lot of it would come from other clubs because really... a lot, of, a lot of the other clubs seem to have this opinion of of Sunderland kind of having gold taps and kind of. You know, yeah, exactly. They've, they've seen yeah, from his club like struggling to field the team. <laughs> yeah, but it's it is the kind of inverse snobbery that you get from from the other twenty three clubs in the league that maybe Jim Rodwell foresaw a potential issue from the other clubs, kind of saying, "Well, you, a big club like Sunderland shouldn't be calling games off. You yeah. can re, you can raise yeah. a team." I think I there's fair, definitely an element of that. I think there's an element of that, and I think to be fair. I think there was just like so much ambiguity around it. Like, let, let's be honest. Totally. I think we said at the time, but we're we're nine months into this. Why does the EFL not have a clear, like, clear guidance on on what constitutes um, being acceptable for um, for postponement? Like, it, I know the the theory has been that maybe we didn't do it because we did have enough players to fulfil fulfil the game. Surely. It's not that hard for the EFL to have some sort of guidance saying, well, if you've got, I don't know, if you've got five players out, that is, that's a valid reason to postpone the game. I think, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Stephen. I think it would be very summoned if um, dropping points in that game proved to be enough to. to like, to like the Gillingham, you know? the, like the Gillingham or Bristol Rovers game before yeah. the shutdown, which cost us a place to uh, the opportunity to compete. In the playoffs last Go, year, going back to the you know the the actual that <clears throat> Wimbledon game and you know the the, the COVID issue and that the, the, the EFL protocols whatever, all three goalkeepers had it. Yeah, yeah. So that night, that night, two members of the squad at least, one of them played. One of them was on the bench, and they both had COVID while they were playing. But we didn't have it. We had to make that decision because they should take the decision out of a club's hands and say, look, we're looking at the, this information. You've, you've got eight people, eight, nine people here who could well have COVID, who can't play. You know, that's, a, that's a number that we have to take seriously and say, look, we're taking the decision out of your hands. Even if you want to play the game, you're not playing the game. 
Um, it's too dangerous. Um, and, you know, no, nobody knows the situation of the players' families. Nobody knows the situation of the AFC Wimbledon. You know, and when we talk about two dip clubs here, we talk about AFC Wimbledon, who, what, ten years ago, were, were probably playing. You know, it's me in league football, whatever it is. You know what I mean. So, we we don't know what the the players coming through that football club at at this level, their their backgrounds, their families, how much they're getting paid. But you know, even they, then, they, you know, even it, then, it's, Gareth, and they they're know taking that home. It's not like the Premier League where people are getting thirty, forty grand a week to play. You know, you're talking about people who are probably earning what. You know, a decent wage, but at the same time, it's not it's not decent enough for them to be, you know, balancing that out and going well. You know, risking risking the lives of their families, you know, potentially to to play in that game. You know, I'm I'm not really um I'm not really like an advocate of any sort of type like outside of the whole debate about lockdown or whatever, which I don't really want to discuss on a podcast. But you know. I don't think there needs to be a circuit breaker. I just think there needs to, like I know that's been discussed in the Premier League, I just feel as though there needs to be testing regimens in at all just, levels of football in order to, in order to make sure it continues if that, if it's that important from a financial perspective. You know, lateral flow testing that, that, that should be available to these football clubs. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if government aren't going to intervene in, in the, for example, so we're talking about the Premier League have come out and, and said we're going to continue. The government could stop them, but if they don't, now I'm, 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 I'm not saying that a footballer's a footballer should be vaccinated ahead of somebody who, you know, is working on a, a PI, a, a, an intensive care unit in a hospital or something like that. But at the same time, if if you're talking about, you know. The order of people who you're vaccinating, are you going to be saying once you finish with them? Or were you saying the government aren't going to intervene and stop these footballers playing? And it's such a massive part of society in England. Should they not be saying right? Well, these people need to be vaccinated primarily if we're going to if we're going to make, if we're going to put them in a situation where they have to continue travelling up and down the country on a weekly basis and spreading potentially well, spreading the, this about because that's what's happened. That's what happened in the last three or four weeks. I think the point is like the, what you said there about the testing regimen. Like, like the the big feeling here is that EFL clubs aren't getting tested regularly. Like the Premier League, they test them. They did test them once a week, and I think I saw recently they're going to go twice a week now because because it's spreading so rapidly, and because we've had two games in the last couple of days which have had to be called off because of it. Now, the thing. Thing with that is the on, that, on that point as well, sorry, Chris. Before you go on, sorry. That's but okay. One of those games was on Amazon Prime. Now I'm now. They get they've paid it like so, whatever you want to, however you want to frame it. They've paid a lot of money for that, for those games that they get, and they've lost one. Well, they lost yeah. two, didn't they? Yeah. So, no, I'm, and, but it was more that obviously on that day there was only one game at that kickoff time. So obviously other 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 you know people could tune into the to the games, but on this occasion the Fulham Tottenham game that was the game and they've lost that game. Yeah. So they they're going to probably going to be asking questions saying look. Of course, we... yeah. And but but the thing is though at least the thing is at least in the in the Premier League it's kind of preemptive. Players are getting 
previously getting tested once a week, now they're getting tested <coughs> twice a week because it's so prevalent. Now, the AFL, we know, we knew at the start of the season, but we certainly know now that there isn't a testing regimen there. It's basically the, the only reason that this was found prior to the AFC Wimbledon game was because one player, apparently Chris McGuire, but we don't know for definite, was shown symptoms. So we went and got a test, come back positive, and then other players went and got a test. Now, as you as we just said there, there were players who played that game who it now appears were positive. Well, there was, th- there was 13 players who tested positive. Three of them were yeah. goalkeepers that we know. So, there could have been other positive tests, but there was yeah. at least 13. So, so we know that at some point... Two players that were involved in that game have tested positive, and you don't like whether we could go on and on about why we didn't cancel the game. But the the root court the root problem here is the the governing bodies have failed football. Like you can't you can't tell me there's not enough money flowing around football for all ninety two clubs to have regular tests. And it goes back to not being able to finish the League One season last exactly. year as well. Exactly. There's, there's, no, there's no way they couldn't have, have extended that out. And we're, talk, we're not talking hindsight because we said it at the time. There's no, you know, before the actual decision was made, we, we, we discussed it then. There was no reason they, didn't, they couldn't have put on some sort of event where you say these X amount of clubs play who were still within a chance of promotion 10 well, or whatever it was and let's have a talk and people would have watched that as well he's a 10 team knockout tournament three well, teams to be promoted but it, and, it, and it extends into the lack of insight now I, I work for quite a big institution and every single thing was planned from minute one so when we had and any event that we had okay was plan a plan A a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, based on full access to everybody, everything open, as best-case scenario, and then worst-case scenario, everybody's locked down, sitting in the house, what can we offer? And you had things in between. And football, it, it, it's beyond belief they couldn't plan, not, not even just in terms of the testing, but this season, like... But- you know, why, 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 why the cup's being played well, this year? Why the cup's being played? Why are any cups being played this year? Let's be honest, though, when, when it started, if you remember, the day, the, the, it was the day before we were meant to play Blackpool. This was, it was like March 13th or something. And the Premier League, the EFL, they all came out and said, no, no, the games are going to go ahead. The game, despite the fact everyone knew it was spreading rapidly, Mikel Arteta tested positive and everyone in football shit themselves and went oh hang on a minute as if as if like football exists in this sort of bubble separate from society where no one can get it and within 12 hours all of the games in the country were off essentially if you look at the back pages today back pages today on on new year's eve are leading on the fact that there's a covid chaos in the premier league because two games have been called off you look at league one it's it, it, that would be the episode. Seven games or something, wasn't it? Yes, it was it uh, seven the games. The amount of game games week? that have gone to it. But it's but just, you're well, right. You're right. On the we've testing. lost. We've lost ours again. I mean, we've lost the, five Fleet, now. We, we, Fleetwood, Fleetwood's off now. Um, you know, you've had Andy Hold kind of making comments. You know, there's no way we're going to complete the season. Like. Complete the season in the current time frame. Yeah, you feel like it's you feel like it's starting already, don't you? Um, well, like. 
Yeah, what's our? But I was doing? looking at, I was looking into it and saying like, on the, on the ninth we could play. Of what I looked at, how sad is this? Before I did this, I kind of tried to <laughs> kind of go, kind of go through it. But of the teams that I looked at, I probably looked at at, at least half of the division because um, it's FA Cup weekend the ninth. Um, we could play Rochdale, so we could potentially say to Rochdale, "Do you want to bring that game forward?" But they've obviously just lost two games to COVID themselves. <laughs> but thinking- would would Rochdale want to? Would they say, "Well, and go"? You know, going back to you know the discussions we had before about people's perception of perception of Sunderland League One. Maybe there's an attitude that we're not going to like help you out by giving you a game now because it'll be better for us to play you in April when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday because you, you've 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 not played a game since the fifteenth of December. And th- this is the thing that this is what comes down to and that's a hypothetical situation. We we don't know. We don't know if People are but playing politics that, within the division. The point we just brought the up games about the cup games. Yeah. The point we just brought up about the cup games. Yeah. To me, we've we've seen this. A lot of people have seen this at the start. Say, Why the hell are the cups still being played? If if it's essential it's to insane. get the league, it's insane. But, like like the EFL, like Gareth, I know you want us to win it before we get out of this league, and I understand that. <laughs> why the why on earth is that? levels. The why? FA Cup shouldn't be getting played. Well, the League no, Cup shouldn't be getting played. The, the EFL Trophy, right? We've played four games in that competition so far. We've only played, they, 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 we've only they, played they 17 should, in the league. So we've they should have played, been there, yeah. We've basically played a fifth of our season in that competition. Why? Why they should have been able to preempt the games are going to get called off and, and or the possibility of the game. Even if they, like I say, plan A to plan D or whatever, and plan A was like, everything was great, it still should have been said, well... It might not be, and there might be a second wave. Exactly. So what we need to do is cancel the cups in case there's going to be a backup of rearranged league games. And I'm that, sorry, but that's not. But that's they tried to front load like, the season, didn't they? Hmm. They're trying to front load the season, so we've had with loads of games, not just general, yeah. well with the league cup, with with league games. Because if you look after February the first, there aren't many midweek games. So they front loaded the season. In the anticipation, yeah. you've, you've got the you've got the European Championships as well to think about in the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, I, guess, I guess you could argue in League One, we probably don't have to think about that. No, but I'm just talking about it. But it, the, the, I don't like hey, this, this Premier League being separate from everybody I've got else. For the, for it the should Euros. be. It should. This should be an overall thing I'm talking about. It should just no, be I, I the League Cup, the FA Cup, and then that that whatever poxy cup it is we play in now well, until we get a Wembley, and then it won't be poxy. It should have just all. It should have just been this until this pandemic is over and we know what's happening. League games get these league seasons finished, and that's all it should have been. But at the exactly. end of the day, the season started. The season started on September the twelfth. Like previously, the league season has started on like August third or fourth. Like it started literally like five weeks beforehand. So why on earth have the thought? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll we'll cram in forty six games, but we'll also cram in all these cup games. Like, it's just and sorry, and and I and I know we've just made the joke about it not affecting us, but it does actually affect us. International breaks. Oh we'll 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 keep them as well. We'll we'll keep we'll have international friendlies where players are dotting across the world for meaningless games while there's a pandemic. Like it's just it 
I think like going full circle back to what was said about the Wimbledon game, like I think it's fair if people are wondering why we played that game. But I think it, it all comes back to the fact that the governance in football around this has been absolutely shocking. It's been well, the, so inadequate. The point that we we made a while back is that the way the way the league's governed is that seventy two clubs get a vote on, on issues. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be like that. The you know, there should have been some kind of crisis group at the start of things to say, right, this is how it's going to be. You don't get a vote. This is how it's going to be. This is for the best. This is for the betterment of football and the wider football picture. So the Premier League should have been involved too. This whole project restart should have been thought through a lot better. Scrap the FA Cup, or at least play a smaller version of it. You know, scrap the, the League Cup. Just pause it for a year. We'll come back. It's not going to go away. You know, the League Cup's only been around for 40 years anyway, so it's not exactly some age-old institution that needs to be preserved. It's all right, man, and you ditched just the take a, a, for a year. So. Right, exactly, yeah, just take, just take a bigger picture view of, of like of, of the situation is that probably, you know, they, they, they couldn't have foresaw a second wave, <clears> but they could certainly have legislated for it. They could have certainly gone, well, if there's a second wave, we've got to prepare for that. And even, even though they have front-loaded the season, there's still going to be a situation where there's so many games to claw back. That's going to put us at a huge disadvantage if we well, lose think, any more games between now and now and the end of the season. In hindsight, we'll, we'll end up be playing. We could end up playing three games a week. I know it's in hindsight as well, but like and and what you said, sorry, Chris, about the the start of the season. <clears throat> so they they were so cautious about getting people back during a a period where you know, and this was. Not only, this wasn't football league driven, I guess. This was probably government driven as well. About getting people back in a pre season training um, to be ready to play football at, at lower levels. Um, and obviously, we had to start the season in a month late um, in, in, in League One and, and League Two and, and beyond. Um, and now we're in a situation where, from a virus perspective, it's as bad as it has ever been, yeah, or potentially worse. Yeah. And we're trying to cram well, football. Like, we're trying to cram football into this kind of calendar, and it's like, mad, well, so we go back to August where we're all being like really cautious, and we'll, we've got protocols, and we've got bubbles, and they're getting tested, blah blah blah. And now it's like, actually, we've got four or five months to complete a season. We've got games postponed, and. We're not, there's no te- there's no like ex- extended test. There's a new strain of virus that's sixty seventy percent more transmissible. We've 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 got you know games being called off left right and centre. You just think well, it's, it's weird. Games. It's weird. Everyone just seems to have. It's it's almost like it's not just in football. It's just in a, in a wider society thing. It's almost like people have become desensitised to what has happened in the last yeah. sort of nine months. And now we're at this stage where we're like, oh, well, we're not. We're ju- we'll just like get our heads down and carry on and pretend it doesn't exist. It's like, no, sorry, we've seen at all levels. Firstly, in the Premier League, what I would say is that the testing obviously works because they haven't lost lots of games. So what we need to be saying is, right, if we're that serious about it all, let let let's roll out this testing regimen. You know. The PFA get paid a lot of money, or, the, or, or footballers pay a lot of money into the PFA. The tests are widely available now. We've got lateral flow testing, you know, being rolled out in 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 key areas. There's no reason why at least 
because what, what you've got to think about as well is nothing's going to be definite, right? So obviously the you know if if you if you roll out to lateral flow testing in football clubs league one below people are saying well it's only you know this amount there's obviously debates about the, the effectiveness of that kind of test but at the same time you're still minimizing risk and that's what it's about at the moment it's an it's just a flapping gate yeah in the wind well, the- at the moment you know it, at least you can tighten it up a little bit if you if you introduce something of that ilk and you could catch if you caught fifty percent of it it would be better than catching none of it at the moment when you're having say a footballer playing for Sunderland or Portsmouth or something like that driving to a a test centre locally to get tested. I mean well, that's, that's the mad it's, thing. it's absolutely mad. The team cre- coach the, pulling up. The cre- yeah, <laughs> two coaches. Well, the, Covid the, protocols, that- Richard. That's a crazy thing. Like, I mean, I, I mean, what I thought man was when that Everton Man City game got called off the other night. One of the complaints Everton had was that they had two thousand fans ready and waiting to come to the ground. And you're like, how on it? We're in a worse position. We're seemingly in a worse position now than we were when this all started. And yet, the current the current laws allow fans into the ground. Like it's just barmy. But and I I think I think where you said there, Gareth, like about like the the testing, like let's let's be honest here. Like we all we all oppose that um, project big picture, the where uh, which Jim Rodwell came out in favour of. Let's not let's never forget that, and that is one of the reasons I think we all agree that we hope he's no not going to be involved with our club too much longer. Now, at the time that was put up as the only the only exit route. For, for clubs lower down the pyramid to get out of the financial crisis they were in. Lo and behold, within six or seven weeks, a bailout comes. The money, magically, which a lot of people had said, well, the money's there, there's just got to be the desire. The money appeared because the clubs at the top know for a fact that the reason English football is, a, is as attractive as it is is because of the pyramid below it. That's why, that's why English football is so strong. That's why the support, the, the the attendances are so so high. It's because of the pyramid. It's because of the culture of football in this country. So no one can tell me that the money isn't there to provide testing throughout the leagues. It is. There's just these these clubs at the top and people in charge. They need to be pushed there and pushed there and pushed there. And the problem is they haven't been. The EFL turned around and went, okay, yeah, we'll just crack on. We'll play. And nobody's getting tested. This this was inevitable. Well, Hull, I mean, this Hull was, was inevitable. Hull, was, Hull were battered earlier in the season about about this, and it's like, well, but they're not being supported. It's like you're basically no, no, no. saying it's like why, it's over. Why, it's over. What it should be taken out of their hands. And the 13, 13 players in our club have caught COVID. That shouldn't happen. That shouldn't. Then and the thing is, we're for, we're hopefully fortunate. That they're not going to see any long-term repercussions of it, and no one's going to die from it. Well, you look at you look at look Newcastle. Newcastle. I mean, yeah, yeah, two, two I mean, players. They had nineteen positive tests, and you got like you know if if you ever watch the Premier League or whatever, and you see that Sam Maximum, he's fit. No, you he know, is. He, he's an energetic, fit footballer. I mean, obviously, Stevens a massive Newcastle fan, and he watches <laughs> every week. Um, but yeah, you know, he is. He's like he's. Yeah. He yeah, is like he's good, he yeah. is fit, and like, he's been flawed. But he's been flawed by and he, he is. And, and it's not, and it's not, it's not fair on. Look at it, like if 
if you went to work, right, and you were at risk of catching COVID and your workplace were putting no precautions in place, you'd be rightly furious. Now, I'm not saying there'd be no precautions put in place, but the fact of the matter is it took someone to have symptoms for them to find out that it's rife throughout the yeah. squad. It's, 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 it shouldn't f- be like f- that. There's enough f- money in football for it not to be it's like strange that. How, it's strange how football can be so incompetently run, to be honest, compared to other organisations. But we could run about this for ages. I think, you know, my food's due soon. Uh, <laughs> what do you get to then? What kind of sloppy we've, again? We've ordered from an Italian restaurant. Mm, okay. Do you want to plug it? So, What'd you order? It's just, well, it's the Cavalier, but they've got an Italian restaurant, uh, Stroke, so it's a pub, stro- a British yeah. pub, Stroke Italian Let's hope restaurant. their attitude to um, COVID regulations doesn't match the name of the pub. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's been, you know, they've probably, t- they've took that name on, it's been called that for multi-generations, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, It used to be called the Poacher's um, Pocket, Stephen, actually. Uh, yeah, oh, God, you, so. you're right. It's a great family pub, to be fair. When it's sunny, there's was, a uh, massive beer garden with, like, kids' slides and stuff. Mm, it's very nice. You can't just anyway. move in and eradicate history, Stephen. You can't just pretend it was never called the Porch's Pocket just because you've moved in the last few years. Well, you know. So, Stephen, is that your last meal in your thirties? <sighs> Fuck off, Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> just asking. That's the name of the podcast, <laughs> right? Um, okay. It's actually the name of um, Charlie Methven Stewart Donald's new podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've got T-shirts with that on them, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, I would um, buy one. Are they out? If you use the code um, WS10, you get uh, yeah. 10% off your I'd, basket. I'd buy one, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> right. I didn't, we, we're never going to bother, like, previewing the match. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we got called oh, off Oh, yeah, we're playing, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised if we announced we got called off the What I would so. say is, I know we talk about the, the overall thing, and I don't know there's lots of opinions on... You know where the football should be played, and for safety reasons, that's that's absolutely fine. And then obviously the discussions about all oh, the fans not being in, which is awful. I mean, it's mad to think like I've driven past the stadium like a few times in the last few months, and I just think like I can't believe I've not been in in such a long time. But like uh, it I feels, was that. it feels like so. It's such a like when you go every week for twenty five, twenty years, and then you. You're not going. It's hopefully it's good though. Hopefully it regalvanizes everybody. It is just it is mad. You, you, you know, I've I, I thought about this a few times. You, you think people more people are going to want to go because it's not. At least we're not stuck in that tradition anymore. We are. I'm just yeah. going for the sake of it. And, yeah. and you know, God knows when that's going to be when we can actually all go and it's going to be a full stadium. Again. I think it's been harder over Christmas than at any other point yeah. in my opinion because well, I, I, associ- I associate yeah. Christmas with going That's to match it. no matter like the, in the new normal if well hopefully it won't last too long with the vaccine and everything but in that new normal you know the the game still put, even though it's a stream and even though there's no fans in and all that it still punctuates your week and you've still got something and you still set yeah. that time aside for the match and yeah, it's not the same after it, and it's not the same before it, but it's still there. And I've found that I have found that difficult having that, like, because when it came back, it was like it's back, and like now it's gone again. For it, it hasn't been gone for that long. Because if you're in the Premier League, I remember like sometimes you'd get saddled with like a three week break because of like the way like an international 
break would fall or whatever. I remember, I think under yeah. under Allardyce, I think we had like about a month off. I think we we played a game, and then I think we yeah, we, we played Southampton. We played yeah. Southampton. Um, like after about it was nearly a month. We had it was like between March and April. Um, so it does happen, but it's weird. It's like you get so used to this, the game, and now that you can't even watch it on the stream, and that's why it's important. And that's why the football authorities, if people are talking about mental health and, and all that kind of thing, and it's obviously there's a lot of people in the country who don't follow football, and, and, and I'm sure the people who are interested in the activities that they do in those environments are pushing for the same thing. But the authorities involved in football need to ensure that if they want football to continue, they need to make sure that the players who are playing the game are protected and, and looked after because they've got families and they've, you know, just because they're a footballer doesn't mean they get paid thousands and thousands of pounds a week. Yeah, they're probably doing better than us, you know, playing in League One even. But at the same mm. time, they've got to make sure that, you know, these people look after if they're going to continue to play because, you know, they've got to be confident going out of that pitch that they look after. And as a result, yeah. we're going to enjoy, even sitting at home, we get to do these pods after Rory and Matt do the do the reactions and all that and get to have a vent after the game and it, it, it it's not the same but it's better than nothing at all and what we don't want to see I think is is nothing at all because at the moment when you know after Christmas and like people have been starved of having that experience with the families you know people always see you know like how important football is in their lives so you know the the authorities need to make sure that if they want them to keep playing, they can, and then we can all enjoy that in the in the in the in the modality that it is at the moment, and 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 you know come out of it at least, and, and the lads are you know getting well and and healthy at the club, and we are all still mourning about the fact that we've drawn you know one all at Northampton. <laughs> That'll never yep. change. No, never no, change. No, no, we'll probably get the wrong vaccine. Is- no, in our look, the players will get the bad vaccine, and Will Grigg gets like gigantitis. Or will Grigg will get a vaccine that'll actually mean, like, prove a vaccine doesn't work. Yeah, uh, but the good, the good thing is, we're yeah. hopefully, we hopefully we found a case in the northeast of England that proves the um, the coronavirus mutation has exceeded anything we can do about, and it's but the W Gulick, um, if you're a Google fan. Um, and he and it, he's basically ruined the coronavirus vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think no. to be fair, though, Gareth, when you say that, I think the good thing is, and this is hopefully ending on a kind of hopeful note, is we can in the new year we can actually go back to just talking about what happens on the pitch. That I think that that's my new year's resolution. I will. I will definitely ruin it by the second of January. Yeah, but... I, I, yeah, I, just, I just hope. I just hope we. You know. I hope we get back in before. Just the keep end thinking of the about the, whether the, that's the, realistic or not. The pint. The, the pints before the game when we get all got to go back <clears> and you know when we Chris all get to see each other again and the first Chris reaction Dixie's pod, beer pump to the match. Yeah, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the first goal that was score and the first time Louis Dreyfus is sitting in his in his seat in the at the sure. ground. And all that kind of thing. We've got that. We've. It's not now, and we know what the atmosphere would be like now if it was happening. But it's not now, but it will happen. And then when we when we get there, just make sure you know we all just wait until we're all in the pool. Exactly. Imagine the pints. 
In the Pomo. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine the, the last minute winner that Will Griggle score. It's a seal of promotion for Sunderland, and we'll all go in the pub afterwards, and we'll be absolutely battered. Think about yeah. that. We'll think about that. Have That's a good a New Year. Why are you thinking about that? Yeah. Happy birthday, Stephen. Happy yeah, birthday, Stephen. Stephen. More important. Happy New Tier. Loads are going to discuss. Happy Loads are going to discuss. Do you know what? Just a final thought, and I don't want a discussion because I need to go. I've been getting the eyes already. Um, <laughs> don't know what more doing as well as he is a borough. Lee Johnson would have loved him as a player. Because he's all about Pierce up front and stuff. Never mind. We're not, I don't want any of your opinions on that. I don't want any of your opinions on that. How can you end on that? We are ending on that. That was the most Think about Sunday, that, the most thing, thing of all Think time. Think about how much Lee Johnson would have loved Dungle Mott. You know that bottle of right. blood orange gin you were on about before the pod? I haven't opened it yet. Have you just inhaled it? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to give it a good go tonight, I'll be honest. going to give it a good go. Right. I do have a good agree. new year. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening, as always, and let's just hope things get better soon. On and off the pitch. Thanks for listening. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this hour, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.